Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to part two of this month's big interview Q&A show. My name is Neil White and with me today are Graham Hunter, who's the host of the very podcast to which you are listening. And our guest for these shows, La Liga TV's Pete Jensen. Gentlemen, hello. We have questions, as always, from those special listeners who support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. They get early access to everything we do. They get to interact in these Q&A shows and more. They get put they get to put questions to our guests on the big interview. If you're interested, that's patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Uh, first up is our new socio, Kelvin Brown, who says, Hi, Graham and Pete. I hope you're both well. So do I. Do you guys think Sampaoli will stay at Sevilla next season or will the club make a change? If they do, which coaches in La Liga should be under consideration? I think Eraola and Araceti deserve to be considered for their fantastic work at Rayo and Osasuna, respectively. So, for those not paying attention, Sevilla finished fourth last season under Lopetegui. They are currently 14th, and they're about to um, go away to Atleti. They look like a club in transition. So, Kelvin is asking if they will make a change. What do we think? Pete Jensen. Yeah, I think there's two schools of thought with, um, with San Paoli. One is the um, Joan Jordan school of thought, and one is the... Um uh, Acuna school of thought um, um, and the Acuna school of thought is that when um, San Pauli sends on a bit of A4 fools gut paper when there are three minutes left and you're losing you just screw it up and throw it on the floor and Jan Quaradan's school of thought is that you try and read it as the as the next goal goes in um, they, they they should go they should go and get um, Irola um, if they can I'd, I'd love to see that brand of swashbuckling um pulsating football at the uh, Sanchez pick one that that was the way they played when I first arrived in Spain they they um one they was um the coach they played 4-4-2 but it was almost as if they had two wingers on 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 both the flanks Alves and Navas down one side and um who would have been on the other side, Graham? Down the left. Um one at one time it was Capel, one time it was the late great Antonio Puerta. Um but they were brilliant to watch, fantastic to watch, and um, I think they, I think they, they should go out and get get someone who knows the league and has proved himself, and, and that for my money would be Irola. But there may be competition for his uh, his signature at the end of the season. He could have gone to Leeds. I think Leeds would have paid the the release clause, um, and I think Raya would have well, they would have had to accept it. So it basically was his own preference for seeing out a season, which also I think says something very uh, honourable about him. Yeah, Kelv, um, I, I think you know you're preaching to the converted with both Antonio Rola and uh, Jacoba Arasati because their talents uh, keep Pete and I busy week in, week out in terms of understanding them, describing them, um, describing their team, how they play. And I think Arasati is one to be more careful with because 
Um, he, he is a guy who unquestionably has thrived in something of a cocoon. In that, I'm not suggesting that he's being babied, but I know you were watching on Wednesday when Pete and I were on La Liga television, and Pete really cleverly described the fact that at board level, there's been a, a policy decision about progression and patience. And Braulio Vasquez is the embodiment of that because he, as an ex-player, he's the di- director of football link between the board and the manager. Uh, they're very friendly. Arasati keeps getting renewed in his terms of his contract quietly and carefully at the right time. And w- when you see... Uh, I mean, Arasati's not been Simeone length at, at Osasuna, but you often see... And, and I think we're in now in an unbreakable, inevitable trend that when a manager is in charge of a particular club for longer than usual, it's a combination of ennui and burnout and if players stay with you because you're not a big budget club that can keep refreshing the squad, there can be a degree to which the same old message bounces off certain footballers and, and decline sits in. There's no evidence of that at all at Osasuna. And I think that's partly because it's um, a one-club town uh, where you live and breathe on your performances, on your attitude, on your results with your neighbours. Because we all forget that players and coaches live in, you know, in particular, if you're not a, a billionaire a footballer or a coach, then you live and breathe with your neighbours and you're, you know, they keep you honest. And... In Pamplona, it's my opinion that Arasati has thrived upon perfect conditions. Whether the experience he's accumulated since he was manager at Real Sociedad, and he definitely got buffeted. He got buffeted about, he was talked about often um, in in the media with disrespect. And although he was doing the the same job of elegant, uh, tantric coaching, where the pattern and the results were slowly um, arriving, if you don't mind the expression, the euphemism there. Um, he got Trudy Styler out because oh, he's, just a, he's just a teacher. He's just a, I don't know if he was a PE teacher, but he was, he was not, and, and he's not a very uh, possessing, aggressive, noisy guy. And Sevilla, even when they're going well, Calvin is such a massively different environment, city, it's two clubs, it's one of the best divided cities for football. You'll find um, Sevilla fans are extremely volatile. You get best and worst from them, a little bit like Atleti. So I'm not sure he's the man. And the one that, that's the slight uh, question mark wrapped, wrapped in an enigma is Diego Martinez at Espanol was, was a long-time collaborator of Monchi. He worked in the youth system at Sevilla successfully, we saw at Granada that given the right environment, it, it can work for him. He's a, he's a different character from Arasati, very bullish. My understanding is that there's still a, a decent relationship, decent between him and Monchi, and therefore he, he paints as a candidate. And, and you know, Pete's, Pete's very, very funny point about the schools of thought on um, San Paoli. I'd be on the Alice Cooper. Uh, side of things is school's out forever um, he's 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 not the right guy uh, for a club like that that's like introducing Swan Vesta to paraffin really to be honest with you uh, Calvin 
it's 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 been it. I caught myself watching a Sevilla game over the last three or four weeks and thinking it's brilliant to be able to enjoy Sevilla again because it, for us as neutrals it's been torture watching the, how pathetic and and it's done weakly they've become and they ain't they ain't restored yet but they're on their way you you feel like there's a healthier attitude from the players more of the good players are back from injuries or are performing i think that there's no question that you know they they're not going to sink back towards the relegation zone again they're they've become tough nuts once more and therefore um there'll be a temptation for some to say San Paoli's the author and really in my point of view all that's happened is that some of the aggressive players have, have found him contagious because he's a chippy little bugger and others who are just extremely skilled and who've been unavailable for various reasons are back and therefore I think San Paoli's right and, and he and Castro the, for as long as Castro's the president have again an extremely volatile relationship so um, Pete, Pete's idea about Irola is a great one and it maintains him in Spain rather than see him going off to some other part of the city group. So, fingers crossed that it's either Irola or um, Diego Martinez and, and let's see because recently Monchi's um, not necessarily done the thing that we most expect of him. Next up is Jake Garlick who says, I've seen Girona three... I've seen Girona live three times this season, away at Atleti, where they were the better side and unlucky to lose, at home against Almeira, where they hammered them 6-2, and last week at San Mames, where they won 3-2. I'll be seeing them again this week at Getafe. They seem to be excellent every time I watch, and they don't seem to be talked about as much as other overperforming teams like Grao and Osasuna. What do you think of them? Um, why don't they get as much appreciation as other slightly more overrated teams? If so, um, I would suspect it's because they're they're not a very brash um, club. They're, they're not one of those who who have got um, ancestral leanings, as in we're still a big club. Don't forget about us. That's that's not their makeup. Um, when they when they were invested in by Citigroup and by Pep Guardiola's brother, and then latterly, Pete, did they get? Was it uh, South American funding that there was a South American investor, I think, rather than a Chinese investor? And I apologise, Jake, for not being bang on the money that bought a large chunk of Paraguay last year. So it's a sort of slightly tripartite ownership now. When they when they came up to the Primera, they they certainly gave us some thrills. We can remember a win against Madrid at Monterrey. We can remember a win um, at at Bernabeu. And a stonking cup tie, which I think ended 4-2 um, to Madrid uh, against Girona. We, I can remember Girona getting a draw at Camp Nou. I'm pretty sure a draw at Camp Nou when Longley was sent off. And and there were bits and pieces to, to make you like them if you go up there. it's. It, it, I think clubs are sometimes conditioned by the cities. It's a very gentle city. It's a city whereby a lot of people in the part of the world that Peter and I live rave about I got there and I think, yeah, it's okay. It's a little bit staid for me. It's a little bit upper middle class. There's a lot of people who live and work in Barcelona during the day have weekend homes in Girona. And it's not a ferocious place. And therefore, the club is not ferocious. I'll tell you um, what I think. Uh, the, the the business to bring Oriol Romeo, a guest on the big interview, somebody who we just 
loved listening to and, and talking to. Extremely deep thinker about football. Um, a pretty groovy guy in life too. And while um, football is evolving in a way that says that Oriol Romeo can't afford, like Busquets, can't afford to drop a millimetre of concentration because he's never been the athletically fastest. The difference he's made in, in backbone to their, not just the character or quality of their performance, but the intelligence of how they use the ball has been fundamental. Um, I made a fuss earlier in the season about the need um, for Juan Carlos to be dropped and Gazaniga to be picked. Gazaniga made a, a, a brutal mistake um, at, at the weekend, but still, it, it's been a plus. Their their surge up the league has coincided with them being, for example, his ability to, to deal with set plays is is far superior to Juan Carlos. And when 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 the season started and Gazaniga was on the bench, there was... Girona had to go on the special teams like in NFL to bring on the brown shorts every time there was a corner or a free kick and that's not the case anymore and I'll leave you with, with two things it's relatively recent so let's not ascribe the the all Jake all of the upward curve to Borja Garcia but Borja's a very good player very very good player and I missed him for so long and the guy who's only going to play half a season but might get in your top three signings of this entire season is Viktor Sigankov, who is owned, who's represented by um, SEG, the Dutch group, which Pera Guardiola is a member of. And and he brought Sigankov to, to the club early because the, he was going out of contract at, at Dinamo Kiev. Um, he was going to join in the summer. They agreed a price of, I think, of about five and a half, six million euros for him to come now. He's a 43-time Ukrainian international. I watched him live, I think, was it this season or last season, certainly playing for Kiev against Real Madrid, where he scored. And he's, I think he's extremely uh, special in that He's daring, he's technical, he's quick, he's in his mid-twenties, vast exp- uh, international experience, but he adds things that Gerard didn't have enough of. And Castellanos, who I th- think is a pretty moderate striker, very willing, um, v- very diligent, but he's not particularly precise. But he's going to get a lot better supply now that Sigankov is, is in that side. And the Ukrainian has got things like the beating of a man either by tricks or pace he's got really good positional awareness his use of the ball in the last third of the pitch is higher than anybody at the club except for Borja and I just I simply um, enjoy at the moment watching the way that they play uh, extremely daring uh, completely committed to attack football something which is becoming a little bit out of fashion at the moment in La Liga as far as I'm concerned and what's more, at the back they've, or not at the back, but across the pitch, Jake, they, they, they've tightened their attitude to what defensive responsibilities are from 1 to 11, not just the back four. And as a, as a result, they've just become gently harder to rip apart. Um, as I think the best example of that was the, the game they played at home against Real Sociedad, which was a blinding match. But having led twice or three times, Jorna were eventually taken to the cleaners and giving a dusting down by L'Areal in the first half of the season. That's going to happen a little bit less regularly now, I think. Pete, what do you think the ceiling for Jorna is? I mean, 
11th in La Liga, can they, can they do any better than that? Or is this as good as it gets? Well, it was brilliant at the start of the season because they weren't coming out with the usual spiel of we just want to stay up and we've got to get the 40 points. And Mitchell was saying we want 50. I don't understand why they keep saying 53 points because presumably they want to beat the club record. But the club record is 51 um, in um, uh, Rage Against the Machines' um, uh, first season up when he took them up. Um, so um, they only need 52 points to be there but they keep saying 52 points that's fair enough um, Jake's done well by the way going to the last two games nine goals he's seen they are the best watch at the moment they've overtaken Rio in terms of being and Real Sociedad in terms of being the absolute best watch um, they've got four, three or four players who will be candidates for team of the season uh, Romeo Arnau Alice Garcia as well I think the City group thing really helps them um, I mean sometimes we look a little dubiously on these link-up between clubs, but it, it doesn't have to be a negative in football. Um, I think it can suit it can suit the, the needs of both clubs. I think players, uh, Tati Castellanos, I agree completely with Graham. I think if they want to take the next step, in answer to your, to your question, Neil, then the centre-forward position is one that they will have to improve next season. But he's come in from having played at New York City. I think other players will maybe join thinking, uh, well, if I get a foot in the door at City Club, I don't know if Victor uh, Sigenkov thinks... Maybe I can, I mean, he's probably not good enough for City, but do you know what I mean? Once you're in the group, then I think that's an added reason why why players are going to go there. Um, I'm really pleased for the manager. I still have this vision of Mitchell in my head um, when he got sacked at Wesker. I think it's a, it's an October night. He's lost again. The snow is drifting behind him. He's got his, eye, his eyes are starting to glass over. He knows he's going to get the sack <laughs> sooner rather than later. And now he's at a club where they where they believe in him. There have been blips, but they, there's no there's no uh, doubt that, that that he stays in charge. Um, their relationship with Barcelona is very strange. It's not a friendly one, I don't think. I think I'm fair. I think that's a fair point. Um, it's not like uh, Getafe and Real Madrid, where it's you know if you scratch our back, then we'll, we might scratch yours at the end of the season. Of course, Madrid never do, but it, there's much more friendliness um, and kind of. Uh, in terms of loaning players, you know, I mean, the, the, there's, there isn't that relationship with Barcelona and Girona, basically because Barcelona don't want to lose, you know, I don't know, 8,000 fans. They want those 8,000 people following them instead of going to Montelivi every week. I think it's great what's happening there. It's, it's not a hotbed, Graham's right. But you never know, maybe in a couple of seasons of success, uh, they start getting a better class of player from City on loan because City know they're playing at a higher level. Um I, it's really exciting what's happening happening at Girona, and um, it's a good pick for Jake to keep, to go to keep going to see their games because they play fantastic football, and, and as I say, nine goals in the last two games. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Nice one, Jake. Um, next question comes from Socio Tom Lee, who says, Oh, Pete, I know this is one that you wanted to pick up. Jens, please can you explain what lies beneath the Segunda and how the Spanish pyramid works? <laughs> how difficult is it to resurface once you've slipped below the waterline of the top two divisions, Deportivo being the example, given what side they were in 2002? What's in store for Malaga if they can't wriggle their way out of trouble? Tommy, 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 Tommy. Before we walk like an Egyptian, I know you, you've got keen ears. And that was Neil's version of devilish humour. It really was. It was like sort of Donald Sutherland in, um, in Animal House. It, it, Pete, Pete's per, Pete is regarded as the pyramid expert, right? In, uh, they call him... Pyramid Pete. Uh, tutu, tutu and Kamen. Uh, pyramid Pete. That's exactly right. <laughs> like cousin of Lilo Lil. And it's just Pete's, Pete's sigh there, as, as Neil was devilish, was just like, again... Again? Anyway, do you, uh, listen, do you, do you want to dive straight in, Pete, or do you want to segue? Well, you, I'm, you I'm halfway in. through a, a, an university degree on the the, the, um, the Spanish football below the top two tiers, and um, it's, it's heavy going, I've got to tell you. Um, it's two groups of 20 teams. We all know that, don't we? Um, and the, the, diff- the difficulty of it, of it is, if you slip into it, is that only one side goes up automatically uh, from both sides. So then, so then if, you, if you, you can finish second in the, one of the two groups in the third tier, but you're then into the lottery of the playoffs, and it is so often a lottery. Um, we know uh, from other leagues, you know, you finish the season uh, very strongly, you just miss out and you're beaten by the team that, you know, just scraped into into fifth place. So that's why it's so difficult. That's why Deportivo are still languishing. I think the parachute payments are also non-existent if you go from second tier to third tier. Um, I always think it's over-exaggerated when teams go down and it's seen as the end of the world. I think if you're sensible, you can do an Espanyol and bounce back up. But 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 if you don't and you do slide into the into the murky pond that is um, third and fourth tier. It's very, very difficult. And we all want Deportivo back as soon as possible. Um, but it, it, it's, it's a long road. It's a long road out of, out of that uh, wilderness. And listen, Tomas, it's like, I think, um, I'm, I'm not sure you two guys do, but I know Tom personally, and he's an absolutely wondrous world of sport. Um, the new Dickie Davis, effectively, he knows everything about all sports and is a massive kind of supporter of what we do and an intelligent commentator on on what's going on most particular is beloved Manchester United but also he understands Spanish football and therefore if he's asking this question um, it must be partly to do with the eccentricity of the the system that Professor Pete the Pyramid Man has just described because once you go down after the Segunda it's I mean it's utterly bizarre there are Regional preferentes, Group A. You know, you're like, Dad, Dad, I, I've always dreamed of, of playing in regional preferentes, Group 6. I'm in fucking Group 2. Oh, son, let's not tell the neighbours. And it's kind of meant to, to, you know, the third and fourth divisions, where not everybody's professional. In fact, the vast majority are not professional. Um, you, you get... You get as Pete said, like, 
long slogs, campaigns where you play gigantic amount of games. You, Pete's off. You've often been commentating on the on the promotion match at the, in the summer in the last few seasons, and the actual. Just like the way in which it will always be Nicky Weaver and Paul Dickoff in everybody's heads, you know, when we talk about the, the Wembley playoffs, um, some of the playoff matches should come up once you eventually somehow creep up the greasy pole. If that's giving you a, a horrible picture of a morning, I'm sorry. But it, it's like the matches can be utterly brilliant. One of the one of the best. I think you... Who did you do recently, Um was was it one of the island clubs, Tenerife? But the one I remember you doing, that which was utterly brilliant, was um, I think Deportivo La Coruña winning two 0 at Ria Thor, and then being beaten uh, um, at at on the island against Mallorca three 0 and it was it was just utterly amazing football, really high quality but in slow motion. Uh, with massively passionate fans. The trouble is that underneath there is a broiling sea of playing the big clubs, B teams, and playing within a regional group and having to fight your way out. And even if you win a certain division in the third or the fourth, you're not guaranteed to come up, as be explained. It's it's the perfect embodiment of the whole idea of, of football in Spain. Utterly eccentric. You've got no idea how it produces... Um, successful campaigns it's about a lot of the football down there is about kicking the ball along and lumping people in the air it's very much like going back to football in the 60s in Britain yet it's in broiling temperatures it goes on till June and people are addicted to it as someone who had no idea how the how the third tier worked there that's that's absolutely insane to me that you can basically dominate you can do you know the perfect job across the the length of the season and be done by Pete, as you said, you know, the, the, the sort of uh, the hot hand at the end of the season that just sneaks into the last player position with, with, with the stakes, with the stakes so high, you know, financially. And as Graham says, the, 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 the standard and the style of football will always prejudice against um, teams that play a, diff- play a way that's suited to the second tier or even the first tier. So, that's why it can be such a slippery slope because it doesn't get easier. It's it's not a case of, you know, we go down, we've got a lot of quality, we're going to come straight back up. No, you know, you're going to get kicked all over the place and, and maybe go down again. Guys, it's Richard and Huddersfield here. Uh, we've just had uh, an elder statesman, uh, Mr Neil Warnock, try to come back and save the day. Uh, whether he'll do it or not is another matter, but I want to talk about another elder statesman, Mr Javi Aguirre. I'm going to Mallorca uh, the end of uh, this month, first time, first visit, looking forward to the game. What a job he's done from the outside looking in. I always think he's a bit of a, a quick fix uh, merchant, Aguirre, so after when he kept them up last year, I didn't know which way we're going to go this year, but Marike, how good's he? Do you think he'll stay there next season, Marike? Is he Premier League? Is he good enough for that, or is he a bit more of a journeyman as well? But yeah, I want you to actually look about Mr. Geary because he seems to have done a superb job on the island. Cheers, guys. Oh, he's a very nice man, Geary. When we always say that about managers that answer messages to us, don't we? So um, I love his style. I love his. Um, I don't always love the style of football. Sometimes it's a hard watch. I'm commentating Mallorca Elche at the weekend, so I don't know. Who, um, you know, whose tea I've made badly at uh, Media Pro to get that one. But um, it might be an absolute belter. I think um, we have to remember also that Aguirre, quick fix merchant, you're right in some respects, Supercos, if I can call you Supercos. Um, but um, 
we shouldn't forget we did it Osasuna and that was a you know that was a, an incredible achievement getting them into Europe they still love him there um, and in fact didn't he save Mallorca last season at, at, in Pamplona um, right at the end I agree with you I thought at the end of, this, end of last season they'd say thank you very much um, you've helped us out there um, and now we're going to look for a, a manager who can take us on you know that, that sort of um, daft cliche about you're, you're only good for keeping us up you're not going to advance us um, they're a very well run club at the moment Mallorca keeping Marici um, Copetti was a good signing in from Pomferandino at the end of last season um, Maffeo Graham's favourite player uh, I think is is, uh, is a, a standard bearer <laughs> um, uh, for them and uh, very much very much a, a, and um, a, a player that fits um, the way that the, the manager wants them to play so um yeah, I I uh, enjoy watching Mallorca because I think they're villains and every league need, needs a villain. Uh, I don't think anyone likes playing them and I think that's the reason why at the moment they're nowhere near relegation. Yeah, super, because I, I know Aguirre a lot less, a lot less well than, than Pete does. And um, viva, viva Mexico, by the way, in case uh, Chicharita's listening. The... Uh, the <laughs> The the thing I remember, the first ever contact I had with him is that um, during those, I can't remember if it was four or five seasons in the early 2000s, that um, the Basco Aguirre was in charge at Osasuna, they became intensely good. They got to their own. We saw them, we saw them winning uh, the semi-final this week 1-0 in a really aggressive Taussi game, one which you could have had Aguirre coaching in, really, to be honest, instead of Arasati. But um, in those days, El Sadar was much more um, basic, rudimentary, much more, well, even more aggressive. Um, it wasn't in the 2000s, but Chappie Ferrer gave one of the great um, anecdotes about, you know, what it's like at a tough away ground or what it was in his day playing for Barcelona. And he said that El Sadar, what would happen was you're st- the, the fans were so close to the pitch that if it was a grubby winter's day, you were up there. They would they would try and use their the hook at the end of their umbrellas to trip you off with, which I think is absolutely magical. You'd have to give you'd have to give the, the fans an assist and half a goal for that if you could trip a visiting uh, Champions League right back up with your your umbrella. Very Mary Poppins, but he was you know super because he was coach of the year. Spain's co- voted coach of the year um, in the season when. Again, I think it's the same season as when Madrid are going to go to Hamden and beat Bayer Leverkusen and Madrid lose four of the last six league games to lose the title. And Asasuna are one of them. They go to Bernabeu under Pasco Aguirre. And I, I, for a long time, I I just thought it was some sort of mad mocking uh, nickname. But apparently he's got some Basque heritage, which, I mean, do those things... I mean, nature and nurture, man, Pete. Does that condition a little bit of his ability to adapt both as a player and a manager to living and working in Spain, do you think? I think so. I think even maybe subconsciously, he's, that, that uh, the Basque vein uh, comes out and um, yeah. in the yeah. way that they play, yeah. It feels it feels that way now because, you know, I'm going to because I'm going to come on to Marici in, a, in a, just a second, but it, that Osasuna team was... was uh, elevated, I think, even above the Osasuna we're watching now or the Mallorca we're watching now, which is very attacking, very daring. Often had three up front, 
And, um, you know, I think he's been a coach of really high quality. And, and yeah, he became a, a sort of fireman coach uh, because he, he didn't in any way mind being hired in uh, to to solve a situation because it, he didn't feel it um, in any way belittled him. And I think he often was very... It is, was because he's got some... Uh, confluency of of you know of contract at Mallorca at the moment. <laughs> he often had that great knack that football managers can have, um, whereby they look at others, look at their peers, and think, "I know exactly where I'm better than them." And one of those is that when he comes into a club, almost without exception, his attitude becomes completely infectious about confidence about that he's got a similar vein of eccentricity as Luis Aragonés had and and booming confidence that, that not everybody can um can I'm going to use the word again supercoach can make that contagious in life if you've got it sometimes it can be a barrier to what other people uh, hear from you they, they, they don't hear what you're trying to say if you're if you're ebullient and noisy, and I think he he uh, was it Lega that he came in and in, in, in a completely, completely lost situation, and by the end I think they 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 did finally get relegated, but on the last day by a goal or something of that nature, and they had to beat Real Madrid and and they didn't quite do it, and the result the other way in the other part of the country went against them, and that would that would have been the all time great rescue job if if he'd pulled it off, and he damn nearly did. And I think there's a good connection between him and Marici because Marici is a very good footballer. Um, I I think that it's imperative that people don't look at the uh, the crooked tombstone teeth grin and uh, um, the sort of Legolas hairstyle, which I wish he'd get cut, um, or his, his physical size, which is you know he's, he's enormous. He's a really really good footballer. And he's belligerent, but it's controlled belligerence. And I think that the way in which um, Aguirre used him from the moment that he came in, and and from the moment that he came in, uh, the cha- he did he did things like um, changing the length of the grass and changing. He switched where the dugouts were at San Mosh because this is the side we should be at. Just little mad things like that. Um, that again reminded me of Aragonés at, at Mallorca where he, he decided that the, the, a television cable that went in front of the dugout was, was transmitting evil. So he went and got shears from the guard during the match and, and cut the cable and stuff you like. Okay, now if you're a fan of a club where your expectation is... I mean, okay, back in the Aragonés days, there was, there was an expectation that Mallorca might sniff Europe, might get to a cup final did. Um, but but at the moment, if if you've got a, a a talismanic, eccentric, bullish leader, then you're like, okay, step forward, we'll take that, we'll we'll have that. So the fit with Marici um, is good because he loves to battle, and Mallorca are battling right now. I absolutely, I really don't like watching Mallorca away this season because it's it's Aguirre has just taken a um, to finish in the same note as the first half of this podcast began he's taken an utterly pragmatic idea that if we can have three points at home which they've regularly been getting and we can we can have a little sniff at a point away then we, our duty is not to entertain we're going to be obstinate we're going to be like you know that 
that that brown stain on your shoes that you can't quite get off and it's like oh god not again and he, do, he doesn't he just doesn't give a hoot and the remarkable the remarkable nature of two or three of the displays at the end of last season um at the visit Mallorca some mosh stadium was the the way they beat Atleti at home was just magnificent and there was another one I damned if I can remember who they beat but going into the last week of the season I was loudly tipping them to stay because I absolutely believed that they could pull off the win that they needed and Abdon was playing like a hero it, it's I, I really and Graham Rousseau who's involved in the sports direction of the club was a guest in the big interview Neil I think you'll be able to agree super because you'll have listened that his um, consideration of uh, the way in which they're trying to develop the understanding of the American-based ownership by hiring very clever, locally experienced people and and then blending it so that there's no North American, we do things this way, we know best, it's our money. Um, Akiri's landed at a club which is not yet... Uh, rock solid and I know there are certain people at Mallorca who worried a little bit about the the degree of um, quality and intelligence in the midfield this season Um, and there was a divide divide right down the middle of the club in terms of have we got enough uh, personnel to stay there and Danny Rodriguez is showing that the answer is yes um, Kadawari who Pete mentioned many many episodes of this Q&I ago Kadawari has come in and looked as if he's going to be a good partner for Marici such that if Kang and Lee and Kadawari and Marici are on the same side um, Aguirre's got resources whereby he can play slightly more attacking leaving Marici less isolated can play higher up the pitch and therefore all in all, it's exciting to watch El Basco Aguirre and what he's doing right now, unless it happens to be an away game. Sorry, Supercause, there you go. And Neil Warnick as well, <clears throat> don't like him. Thank you, Richard Supercause, Cosmala. Thank you to all our socios who sent in questions for our two Q&A shows this month. Thank you very much to Grim Hunter and Pete Jensen, um, as always, for their fantastic content in these Q&A shows. Thank you very much to you, dear listener for being on the other end of this podcast. There'll be much more coming very soon from the big interview.